to discuss the real issues affecting Australia and New Zealand, this is Trad Tasman Talk, jointly produced by the Unshackled.net and the Mr. Barry, Mr. Barry Show. Now here are Tim Wilms and Stephen Barry, live from Melbourne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third last episode of Trad Tasman Talk on this Friday, the 18th of November, 2022. I'm Tim Wilms, Editor-in-Chief of The Unshackled, live here in Melbourne, where it is 7pm. And I'm Stephen Berry, uh, uh, contributor to the bfd.co.nz, also here in Victoria, and um, it's been a bit of good news for us, actually, in terms of um, COVID, uh, the numbers of people being impacted by it, uh, not quite what the big government uh, control freaks would have liked. Yes, the, the COVIDium. So the, the, the weekly, what is that, uh, death toll or people dying with COVID was 120, only up uh, 25. And even though hospitalizations are going up uh, and cases are, ICUs are not. Uh, this, of course, is the, the new wave uh, driven by, as the Commonwealth Australian Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly said, the grandchildren of Omicron, though Health Minister Mark Butler calls them the cousins of Omicron. So there's, what is it, the recombinant uh, XBB, and there is a, a BQ1, which is a BA5 a sub-variant. And we've also got uh, our own Ozicron variant, uh, BR1. So uh, uh, the only way that uh, only public information we have about what variants are circulating is the New South Wales Health Surveillance Report. And it's all a bit of mix of everything, but... Uh, BA4 and, and 5 are still large in, in circulation. Though I read a an ex, a expert in the, the Age on Monday saying that all of these new grandchildren, cousins of, of Omicron all uh, struggling for fitness shows that the virus could be on its last legs. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're getting to the stage where who cares about the new variants anyway? Um, the The disease certainly seems to be having a lesser and lesser impact. Uh, just don't try and force a mask on us uh, because <laughs> that, that, that seems to be the, the from the, the, the COVIDians, the uh, alarmists, the, the, the doomers, there's certainly a, a, a still a, a large COVID cult following. It, it, they, they must like thrive on like this sort of, of doom because they always eagerly post as as bad a news as possible. Yeah, well, I guess um, when they've spent the last two and a half years um, eagerly demanding that we have more and more of our freedoms ripped away from us um, in response to COVID, um, only to find out now that perhaps we didn't need to be so hard and destroy people's lives in order to fight back against the virus. I guess it's a bit hard to um, take a step back and go, oops, may maybe... Maybe we were slightly wrong. And monkeypox was a massive bust. Uh, this meme is going around uh, tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. What happened to, to monkeypox? Well, it was I think a bit I, of a bummer. Yeah, 
<laughs> I think I've explained this before that uh, the 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 vaccines, uh, the the smallpox Gynos vaccine from Bavarian Nordic actually worked in stopping transmission, unlike the the COVID vaccines. And the the most at risk group, men who have sex with men, because they wanted to to keep on uh, having sex with men because you, you couldn't tell them to abstain they had a very good incentive to keep getting vaccinated so they could get back to their orgies and and sex parties no i, I guess um you know in terms of the monkeypox vaccine they've had a bit, a bit of an advantage because they've had longer than a couple of weeks to actually formulate it and get it out into the population yeah it was already already developed it was a third generation smallpox vaccine so it had less side effects than the first two they just had to mass produce it and yeah distribute it to the the people most at risk and uh, lady of shallot uh, says that's their human right to orgy and says uh, there's a word for them men well the Oh, no, sexual... no, because sexuality is a spectrum now. You can't say Yes, yes. Like and this is the correct sexual health terminology, men who have sex with men, because well, what, what does the word gay or what does that uh, homosexual mean anymore? <laughs> it's hard to Yeah, Yeah. Oh, I... No, actually, I won't say that, but... <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Um it... Apparently everything's on a spectrum now and we're not stuck in one box or anything. I saw that uh, some of the uh, alarmists' accounts, uh, they, they they reported that there was a suspected Ebola case in the, the UK, somebody who had travelled, recently travelled from Africa because there's been an outbreak of the, the Sudanese strain of Ebola in Uganda. And apparently they, what is it, they quite, if, if somebody falls sick in the hospital who's travelled from Africa, they, what is it, they quarantine part of the hospital and, and deep clean it as a precaution. We won't know whether they have Ebola or what strain it is uh, for uh, a couple of, couple of days, but that sent, sent the usual suspects into uh, a frenzy, even though monkeypox wasn't airborne and Ebola's not airborne so monkeypox was was skin to skin and ebola is is bodily fluids so so blood uh semen breast milk uh large amounts of saliva that's that sort of thing yes yes (laughs) it's funny um did we ever talk about variants of diseases before covid i i don't recall it no we didn't expert on viruses but it's 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 interesting given that we've been through this COVID experience where they they initially called what is that the UK strain the Indian strain but that was racist so we gave them <laughs> names the but for, virus. Uh, but for Ebola they've got the what is the the Zare strain and they've got the Sudanese strain Zaire and, doesn't even exist anymore no it's the democratic republic of the the congo but it was where it was first discovered it was uh, the it was named after the bola river uh, when it was first uh, discovered the the person who scientist who discovered it called it the ebola 
Ebola virus, sorry, it wouldn't be associated with like the Congo. No, well, and plus you've got the issue of the Republic of Congo, which is right next door to the Democratic Republic of Congo. So I guess calling it the Zaire virus is probably the easiest thing to do. Lady of Charlotte says, I think Ebola is the least of the UK's problems. Tim and Stephen, have you seen Jeremy Hunt's budget? <laughs> it will break their back of the, the middle class. Yes, he's, it's, he's completed the, the Liz Truss U-turn. Uh, and is going to increase taxes and all, so, all, so, all sorts of things. Completely mental. And I mean, the the only reason why the Liz Trust budget had such a negative effect on the economy uh, was because the tax cuts were not costed and there was no, uh, they were going to be paid for with borrowing. And there was also going to be an extra $60 billion over two years, uh, £60 billion over two years in energy subsidies, which are also, um, not funded. So, you know, government, governments that spend themselves further into record deficits always upset markets. But then when they go and do a complete about face and give the markets um, no certainty, well, that just makes things even worse. I can be pretty certain now with the, the globalist uh, golden boy Rishi Sunak in charge, uh, Prime Minister and uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt, the the globalist uh, pro CCP Remainer as as Chancellor, uh, the 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 Tory Tory boys are, are back are back are back in town. Yeah, I would say that we're pro- we're definitely witnessing the final term of this Conservative government, uh, which unfortunately means that the UK is probably about six or seven years away from any sort of free market reforms, which will be forced upon it by um, economic collapse, much in the same way the Western world was in the late seventies. Uh, now, of course. As always, uh, we're on the Unshackled and Right Minds YouTube channels, and uh, we have Q&A at the end of the program. We can send through a direct question or send through a super chat. Uh, so even though uh, the, 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 the usual suspects have been lobbying for mask mandates, uh, <laughs> no uh, state or, or territory or federal government is interested. And uh, of course, we we have seen enough evidence that uh, mask mandates do not make a difference to uh, the the COVID wave curve, which is why the the the, the pro mask uh, zealots advocates they've come up with a new argument about why we should be masking in the West. So this is from uh, Benjamin. Venice. He is a Australian uh, doctor based in New York now, who he published this study and he summarized that universal masking policies distribute a small cost across society rather than shifting the highest burdens of COVID-19 onto populations that have already been made vulnerable by structural racism and other inequalities. So apparently... So is mask- he saying that black people are more likely to get diseases? that sounds pretty racist well it's, it seems to be that uh, well in probably well maybe saying it in regards to to covid that's just an ex- extract that he is he's 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 pulled that onto populations that have already made vulnerable by structural racism and other inequalities so yes basically saying that yes that uh, those 
the, those uh, the US term is uh, populations of color are more vulnerable to adverse outcomes of COVID-19. Except Asian people, apparently, they're always the um, exception, it seems. Oh, well, you should also wear a mask uh, to show you're not a white supremacist and anti-Asian. Uh, this is from another Australian doctor based in New York. White people who are claiming this is a reach, Asian people have been violently attacked in Western countries for wearing masks. Western leaders have said wearing masks isn't in our culture. A lot of anti-mask sentiment is deeply embedded in white supremacy. So there you go. Well, you know where they do like to wear masks, all the Muslim countries in the Middle East. Of course, only the women like to wear them. Yes, the, the, the Taliban, they've even mandated that the female newsreaders have to wear veils. But as we, as we saw uh, with the, 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 the COVID, uh, COVID uh, clusters outbreaks in Australia, uh, the veils uh, didn't protect uh, Muslim areas from having COVID cases. No, no. Um, it's interesting also, I seem to recall, you know, in the 1800s, uh, particular uh, racist groups liked to cover their faces as well, like the KKK. And didn't, uh, weren't various slaves forced to like wear muzzles? Yes, yep, they, they were. But and it's they, they always use this argument that oh they've been uh, always wearing masks in asia for flu and respiratory viruses though that's a bad a thing of, <laughs> <laughs> how so, is it they, because oh they're always they're, they're always getting sick over there so it's fine though anyone who's been to asia pre-covid will notice that even though there's a few here and there with masks, it's not on a mass population level. And the people who are wearing masks is because either they're sick and you're supposed to not be out if you're sick now. That's a new mantra. So that's actually bad that they're out and about and like when they should be staying home. And as we, we know that flimsy surgical masks don't stop respiratory viruses. And also Asian people have worn masks when, when pollution levels are high. And mm. so that's there, they're not coughing in smoke. And the, the, the reason why they've been more compliant during COVID wearing masks everywhere is because they're high trust societies. They uh, haven't, well, they, they trust their governments and experts. Well, here in the West, uh, we have had years and decades of evidence about why we shouldn't trust our governments and experts as well. But the bottom line is, I mean, this is South Korea's COVID curve uh, from November last year. And yeah, so universal masking hasn't stopped the high peaks. That's the first Omicron wave. That's the second one and they're going through another one and Japan's going through another one uh, as well. So it seems like that's all they've got left is just, well, yeah, also, wear a mask uh, to show, like to, 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 to show solidarity against, uh, 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 show solidarity with Asians and against racism, against Asians. Though also, uh, wouldn't it be classified as cultural appropriation as well, wearing a mask? Like, <laughs> 
Well, I, I think maybe um, Western leaders have noticed that even in China, which is the ultimate um, totalitarian society, which is still chasing the goal of zero COVID, um, residents there are in some cases in open rebellion when cities get put into lockdown yet again. Um, so if the Ch Chinese are starting to become resistant to um, those sorts of approaches, um, hopefully that's a sign for Western leaders to maybe back off. We had this week the ABC's COVID commentator, Dr. Norman Swan, though he hasn't been a practising doctor since about the 1970s. He's been the ABC's health commentator, but he's been probably the, well, he's got the taxpayer-funded platform, so there, therefore he is the most one of the most influential COVID doomers. He said on ABC News Breakfast that... Uh, he said it was uh, too much of a coincidence that a that a cricket legend uh, Shane Warne and uh, Kimberly, uh, the late Labor senator Kimberly Kitching, they both died at the age of of fifty two in March this year from heart attacks. Uh, it's, it's said that it was too it was it was too much of a coincidence that they they both passed after having COVID infections though the thing is that although warney had COVID twice kimberly kitching never tested positive for COVID. the only thing COVID related thing that shane warne and kimberly kitching had in common uh, was that they were both vaccinated so he apologized uh, norman swan and he apologized to kimberly kitching's late husband andrew landaloo though he hasn't uh, apologized to the the warren family so he certainly had a uh, finally some significant backlash against him good and um so we're about a week away from the election day now aren't we in victoria we've got one more bit of COVID uh related news is that oh, yep. uh, a novak djokovic a nicknamed novak's uh, djokovic has had his automatic uh, three-year visa ban from australia overturned by the new federal immigration minister Andrew Giles, so he will be able to participate in the 2023 Australian Open. So basically, I mean, good on the new immigration minister here for finally putting vaccine passports and the the medical segregation fully behind behind Australia. And so it'll certainly hopefully be a better symbol when uh, Novak Djokovic is playing in the 2023 Australian Open that Australia has moved on from its COVID madness. And um, yeah, pleasant surprise from a Labour immigration minister, really, when you consider the scenes in Parliament of Labour MPs screaming across the floor for um, their opponents to put their masks on, etc. That, that, that was mainly the, the Teal independent, uh, Monique Ryan. She, no. she she was she she's the main mask Karen. I mean, I haven't heard anything from the Labor Age Care Minister Annika Wells since then. Uh, she's been spotted maskless pretty much most of the time since then. But yes, it was the in the middle of this year uh, the the new Labor government that removed the requirement for 
foreigners uh, to be COVID vaccinated coming into Australia. So they got rid of that. Uh, so they've certainly made former Prime Minister Scott Morrison and former Immigration Minister Alex Hawke uh, look, look like the, the, the biggest uh, san uh, sanctimonious uh, COVID zealots that, uh, that uh, the, wor well, the, the world has seen in 2022. Well, aside from I New Zealand's example, of course. Well, New Zealand allows in unvaxxed foreigners now as well. Mm. So, but it, yeah, New Zealand was always about three or four months behind Australia. I think New Zealand still has the seven-day isolation rule. Yeah, I would have to double-check over confess that I've I've started losing interest after two and a half years of this crap. <laughs> but we'll we'll get back to as you were attempting to move on to the Victorian state election campaign where the the, the C word uh, that we were just discussing, uh COVID, is hardly being mentioned by the incumbent Labour Premier Dan Andrews, who made Melbourne the most locked down city in the the world and uh, put a victoria police uh, they fired rubber bullets at protesters and uh, at the the shrine of remembrance and pepper sprayed old grannies um yeah it's it's interesting to see just how much the polls have tightened in this race actually in the last two weeks uh two weeks ago it was looking we haven't got a another poll since the 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 red bridge poll in the the herald sun on on Monday, now Redbridge yeah. was funded by uh, one of the the, the former uh, Labor uh, campaign directors, Kos Samaras, who's married to a Labor MP. Uh, so, like, he's pretty got pretty left wing sympathies, but he's he's seen as a pretty pretty accurate pollster. So, yeah, well, this is your poll of polls. So I'll let you run through it. Yeah. So they, that. Um... It includes the five most recent polls, so the Red Bridge, the News poll, um, the Roy Morgan. Um, shit, I knew I should have written them down. Anyway, it's, five, it's the five most recent polls, and they're all different sources. Um, so Labour is narrowing, uh, losing a bit of primary support, down 0.8 to 38%. Liberal and Nationals are up to 33.8, which is an increase of 4.1. Um, the Greens uh, just down mildly at 12.5%, and then the others in the Independents, uh, up 1.3% over the last two weeks to over 15%. Um, so the two-party preferred is uh, narrowing somewhat, though it's still quite a shellacking uh, for, against the Liberals. 55.9 uh, for Labour, 44.1 for the Coalition. So we'll see if there's another news poll in the, the Australian this weekend or resolve political monitor in The Age. It's good because... There hasn't been a poll for a number of, of days, so it'd be interesting to see where where the polls stand. And there were uh, not one but two uh, television documentaries that aired this week uh, that were critical of the, the Dan Andrews government. So first of all, on Monday evening, uh, Liz Hayes' under-investigation program that uh, looked at Sluggate. So that was when... Uh, Dan's chief health officer, Brett Sutton, uh, shut down 
the uh, the catering uh, business for well, they supplied uh, prepackaged meals for like aged care hospitals. I cook foods. They uh, were falsely accused of uh, of uh, killing a, a woman in Knox Private Hospital with one of their sandwiches, uh, which had listeria in it. They weren't the sole provider of uh, food uh, to that private uh, hospital. What was the well the 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 fatal blow for them was when a city of Greater Dandenong uh, health inspector found a slug on the floor though it looks it looks like from the the cctv footage and just the what is known about slugs at in in that area that it looks like the the slug was was planted there and so the city of grady dandenong they also had they were part owners of i cook foods main rival uh community chef which it seems so uh, unfair that well, and also why does the government need to be in the 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 food business? I mean, I cook foods had been in business for thirty years. Why did they need to be a government funded competitor to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would like to see um, scandals named something other than Wordgate. Oh, there and was been done hundreds of times now. There, there, there was a bit of a, a change after after Brexit, like when Megan and Harry uh, said they weren't going to become royals anymore. It was called a Megxit. So there was hope that the, the, <laughs> the exit, uh, Suffolk uh, would catch on, that it wouldn't just be gate all the time. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the um, the Brexit issue seems to have quietened down across Europe now too. So, I mean, even well, um, that um, uh, Italian prime minister stopped talking about um, Italians leaving the EU. Well, uh, well, on the subject of the state election, uh, many Victorians are hoping for a Dan exit uh, come November twenty six. Uh, so that was Monday night, and then Wednesday night on on Sky News was uh, Peter Credlin's documentary, The Cult of Dan Andrews, uh, which talked about how over his eight years of premiership, he's been able to appoint mates to Victoria Police, WorkSafe uh, Victoria, uh, his uh, social media uh, machine. He has close to a hundred staffers working in his private office, which is nearly double the prime minister's staff. Wow! And also, insane. and also went through uh, the uh, the car collision uh, that uh, the Andrews family car had with that fifteen-year-old uh, cyclist in Blagari on the Mornington Peninsula back in 2013. And also uh, when Dan slipped down the, what well, we were led to believe was a huge staircase, but was just two steps. And uh, so she also had a, a former minister in the, in the Andrews government, her identity was obscured, talked about how if you go against Dan, you're put in the freezer, uh, like he isolates you, like he metaphorically gives the first punch and then others finish the, the job against you. And yet despite all that, um, we're still looking at a very comfortable Labour victory next week. 
Well, that is what I think even the, the most fulbrant, uh, uh, anti, uh, like, well, I sh when, when I say anti-Dan, I mean, there's, there's so many, many reasons uh, to, uh, to, to hate Dan. Even, even those people are keeping their, their expectations very low. I mean, they're, they're, they're not getting their hopes up at all. They, they still, uh, they still expect to, to wake up on uh, on November 27 with Dan Andrews still the premier uh, this was one of the 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 anti-dan ads there was another ditch Dan fundraiser by the Victorian Liberal Party in the last uh, 24 hours so they 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 put out a, an ad about uh, the Dan Andrews uh, hangover after election day oh no <laughs> what did we do yesterday your vote has consequences <sighs> We're going to pay for this one. Don't wake up with an Andrews hangover. Vote Liberal. Authorised by C. McQuiston, Liberal Melbourne. <laughs> well, if the, if the results go badly on election night, like as, as everyone knows, during the Unshackles election night live stream, so we have alcohol on, uh, I think that if it, well, maybe if it does go the way that uh, a lot of us uh, are hoping will what is it drink heaps to celebrate and have a hangover the next day or drink regardless either it'd be drown sorrows or or celebrate yeah and unfortunately i won't be able to take part in that next week um as i've now got work um but yeah i suspect that will probably be the only way to get through the night uh, otherwise I noticed that a difficult nerd on Twitter, uh, James Newbury, has, has said that uh, if Satan himself was running against Daniel Andrews promising fire and brimstone enemas for all eternity, uh, it would still be the lesser of two evils. Vote this bloke out. That's a that's a, that's a good a, a good a, a good. Would you rather? Would you rather? Like, if you're given the option, vote for Satan or, or Dan Andrews. Um, yeah, and uh, even those um, unions which uh, criticising the Andrews government, um, such as the firefighters' union, they're not really um, providing any alternatives that people should vote for this election. Let us know in the chat if you'd vote for Dan Andrews or, or Satan. I mean, I'm not a Christian, so like I don't believe in God or the, the, the devil, but yeah, it's... Well, maybe vote for the devil in that case, and then we won't have a premiere. That would be wonderful. Well, James New, uh, James Newbury, uh, this is a, di a difficult nerd. The reason why I, I, I say James Newbury, difficult nerd, because the Liberal member for Brighton is also called James Newbury, spelt with a Y. So there's two uh, James Newburys. So this... James Newbury, difficult nerd. He's uh, openly homosexual. So, like, well, he's a sinner in the eyes of, like, God if he exists. So what is that? Uh, um, if the devil likes homosexuality, then he has that in common with the devil. <laughs> I'm just talking hypothetically here if, you know, God. <laughs> Back on topic. Mm. Uh, uh, speaking of um, deviant uh, politicians, 
Um, what's this about uh, the shadow treasurer being caught out following uh, dodgy Facebook groups? Oh yes, this is this is this is quite funny. So uh, uh, David Davis, who made headlines earlier this year by getting too drunk at a, I think was at some sort of like, you know, political swanky community event, and so oh, a, on, what Australian politician doesn't do that? A a women's rights activist uh, group has revealed that several front benches are following risque accounts, including Playboy Playmates, Linga Models and Women, who appear on OnlyFans, a subscription website largely used by sex workers. The Herald Sun reported that David Davis, the shadow treasurer, is among three men to be enthralled in the scandal, with the shadow treasurer using his publicly verified Twitter account to follow uh, Whore of You, which celebrates the history of, of prostitution. Well, I think it was the, the Kennett government in Victoria, which uh, first uh, decriminalised brothels in Victoria. So maybe he's just celebrating the, the Liberal legacy. Obviously, Dan Andrews has fully legalised uh, sex work in Victoria. So it goes uh, f- further down here on Instagram. He's uh, followed Melbourne uh, Boudoir by Karen, which is a photography page, women sh- uh, posing in lingerie. Uh, so the Herald Sun reached out to the Liberal Party with screenshots of them following, uh, following the accounts dubbed a sleaze file. And they said that Labor is out of touch and ideas. There's an election of 12 days about the future of a state. And the best thing they can through, uh, do is troll through a, what, uh, who likes what on social media page. And Brad Batten, who's the uh, shadow uh, police minister, had been following an OnlyFans model through TikTok, which showed videos of her taking a toff off to reveal uh, itty bitties. The young woman charges men. Well, there might be women who are interested in her as well, uh, per month on the subscription-based site for, uh, for more revealing adult content. Uh, Sky News Australia does not suggest Mr. Batten has paid access to the site. Uh, Brighton MP, the other James Newbury, was also caught up in the scandal after the file revealed he followed three bikini mo- models on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, well, I mean, I wouldn't give a shit, but um, pretty silly. How, how could you possibly make that mistake with your public account? Well, we obviously had the the infamous uh, incident where on the 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 night uh, when the the same sex uh, uh, same sex marriage law survey results were announced, which it was was five years since uh, this week, uh, Liberal uh, Defence Minister Christopher Pine, who was pro same sex marriage, liked some gay porn on his Twitter and claimed the next day that he was hacked. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yes, yes. And um, you've heard how Christopher Pine speaks. He speaks like this, Christopher Pine. (laughs) And um, I can't remember the name of the government minister who commented on it the next day. Uh, Who called for an inquiry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was uh, his, uh, what's it, uh, former uh, South Australian Liberal uh, factional rival Cory Bernardi has said, uh, we need an investigation to see how, how far and deep this penetration has been. Awesome. 
Yeah, but um, I, I think I've mentioned before that the internal probe into uh, that uh, like he concluded that the only way for Christopher Pine's Twitter account to like that uh, gay porn was if somebody took the phone from his pocket, opened it, he got into his Twitter app, liked it, then closed the phone and put it back in Christopher Pine's pocket. <laughs> so yes, it was a, a very, you know, very sophisticated, like it was a real life hack. <laughs> but of course, you know, Christopher Pine, he's a good Catholic married with four children, so... Yeah, the lisp is just a coincidence. Uh, but uh, going on to well, more more serious uh, scandals, uh, well, should I say controversies? So uh, you've you've probably heard Stephen, um, but probably don't understand how in Victoria's upper house, it's the the only state upper house uh, that still has group voting tickets. So. In there's in Victoria, there's uh, there's uh, forty seats in the upper house. There is eight regions with uh, five members each, proportional representation. They're uh, they're up for the the whole chamber is up for election every four years. So you can vote one above the line or number the individual boxes at least one to five below the line, but if you vote above the line, then the, the the parties decide where your preference goes. Now, this used to be uh, the system in place for the federal Senate elections in Western Australia, South Australia, New South Wales, Upper House, but the, everywhere else, including at the federal level, uh, got rid of group voting tickets because of of this man, the preference whisperer, Glenn Drury, who for years has uh, been uh, doing what's known as preference harvesting. So he's even been involved in like registering other political parties for the sole purposes of feeding uh, preferences to other minor parties, uh, because there have been lots of, of cases of parties being elected with less than 1% of the vote, even though the quota is, well, in Victoria for an upper house seat at 16.67. So uh, Heston uh, Russell and another one of uh, his uh, his, uh, party, uh, Heston Russell, who is the founder of the Australian Values Party, uh, so Angry Victorians is an offshoot, of that, uh, the uh, well, the, the leader of the Angry Victorians Party, Chris Burson, they were on a Zoom call with Glenn Drury, who basically explaining uh, how he uh, charges uh, for uh, for him arranging their preferences, and if they win, uh, then there's a what is that a fifty thousand uh, dollar commission, like. None of this is new, uh, new to me because I knew of uh, Glenn Drury uh, when I was in the the, the Liberal uh, Democrats. So yeah, he's been a known person in the the minor party scene uh, for years. But it's really uh, blowing up because well, Victoria is still the the only state with them, and he helped set up. Uh, Glenn Drury admits the sacked Dan Andrews party to draw preference votes away from 
the other anti-Dan parties. So the the Freedom Party of uh, Victoria, uh, United Australia Party, Pauline Hanson's One Nation, and the the Liberal Democrats. So I guess if you if if um, Australia didn't have compulsory voting, maybe um, the quality of the voters might improve, and um, he would have less of an impact on election results. Because in the the last uh, Victorian state election, ninety percent of Victorian voters voted above the line. So this is why, uh, uh, well, the the Liberal Democrats were able to win two seats: the Transport Matters Sustainable Australia Party. Uh, the Jaron Hinch's uh, Justice Party were able to win three seats. Uh, I'm not sure who uh, I'm leaving out. Uh, so at the federal level, uh, the in 2016, the Liberals and the Greens, they voted together to abolish group voting tickets. Labor voted against it. And uh, so Glenn Jury explains how a, the... Labor Party likes these group voting tickets because uh, they do deals to get these minor parties into the upper house so they can get a crossbench that they work they can work with, and the the minor parties they run in marginal seats to preference Labor. So it's a you know pre quo quote, but this is all legal. Uh, so, but obviously it's it's considered quite abhorrent to people who believe in the value of a vote. See, I think it's strange that Victoria's um, entire upper house is also up for re-election at the same time the lower house is. Um, I would have thought well, that it's, it's, it's on so you would that. have to do it at different times. And it's so that because we have fixed four-year terms so that a, if you're elected to the upper house, you're not in there for a plum eight-year term like in... Mm the South Australia and uh, New South Wales because eight years a guaranteed you know 100k plus salary that's pretty good and you can never be like booted from it unless you go to prison basically mm. <laughs> so um but uh, so uh, Dan Andrews denied that he's ever met uh, Glenn Drury the preference whisperer uh, though it was revealed today his chief of staff Lizzie Ratcliffe had but Dan Andrews said that was just in relation because he was a staffer for the Darren Hinch Justice Party and so it was about staffing for minor parties in the parliament it wasn't about preferences though you know what Dan Andrews is really mad about he's mad that the liberals are apparently preferencing uh racist and and nazis and this this is what he said yesterday and which i'll play he also said the same thing today i won't play that because it's basically the same thing but uh, this this was his uh, his bold claim in their preference decisions the liberal party are preferencing people who are not just anti-semites mm -hmm. but they are nazis uh, they are racists uh, and there is no place for the alternative government in this great state, the beacon of multiculturalism in our nation. There is no place for the alternative government of this state to be in a political partnership with people who have absolutely abhorrent views, racists, plain and simple. And uh, I intend to make sure that uh, the Victorian community knows about that because they're the decisions that have been made. 
No, and of course, it's never going to backfire on him, is it? Because well, he wasn't asked to name. Makes them yeah. join your party. Yeah. Like, can he name these racist, anti-Semitic parties and and candidates? Like, in regards to the like today, you went on uh, about parties that uh, believe in uh, conspiracy uh, theories, which well, most conspiracy theories are true these days oh, and in victoria they seem to be yeah in like uh, they're proven true in about three months so the freedom party of victoria i mean one of the the main faces of the freedom party is morgan c jonas who is jewish i mean he can't be a anti-semite i mean he doesn't clearly doesn't hate himself and no, also the yemeni as well well, like, well, he's not running, but he's no. a longtime mate of Morgan, uh, Morgan Jonas. So, and no, uh, seem, seem to recall he's called himself a Nazi Jew or something like that. I, ironically, he yes, he, yes. he said a Tommy Robinson rally. I like you said ironically, I'm the proudest Jewish Nazi. Well, he's wearing a a, a yarmulke. So you know, <laughs> but of course, like the Arby's enemies took that literally. That, he, mm. that but um united australia party um the victorian uh, victorian uap senator ralph babette is from well mauritius i mean he's clearly brown his brother matt who well because <laughs> they're brothers is brown as well is running as a candidate at the the state level as well that's like so clearly then then they don't have all white candidates and the liberal democrats they're running a a, a jewish candidate in caulfield they've had a number of uh, jewish people run uh, for them over the years so i don't know where's where they again dan i don't think there was any follow-up about you know name them no definitely not and um I mean, I'm surprised that he would try that sort of strategy anyway, because when you attack the voters of other political parties, all you really do is um, polarise the situation. You don't improve your own support. Uh, P. Cosman says, the only Nazi-like group I've seen is the, the Andrews government. Yes. Uh, whose uh, police force uh, surrounded uh, synagogues uh, last year? Uh uh, when uh, during lockdown, because they suspected that uh, uh, Jews were unlawfully praying, and uh, who scapegoated the the Jews for for rising uh, COVID cases because of a a Jewish engagement party during lockdown? I mentioned this on on Monday's program because there was I couldn't believe that there was some rabbi who invited Dan to to speak, and so he was heckled and said, "We remember what you did to us uh, last year." <laughs> so yes that's the that's the only uh, like that that's the that's that's who i've seen persecute the jews this this past uh past 12 months uh the uh the andrews government and well they're they they're, they've been the most high profile inciters of anti-semitism because that uh jewish couple who or had that engagement party during lockdown, they got so much anti-Semitic abuse, which you can say uh, was uh, inspired by by Dan uh, Dan uh, targeting them. They were forced to leave the country. 
And in any case, I would say that it's the most virulent the most poisonous um, anti-Semitism frequently comes from the left as they support uh, the terrorist uh, state of Palestine. It's not even a state. They support the terrorists uh, that run Palestine. Well, and, I um, agree with that, uh, that uh, conflict. I mean, it's nothing to, to, to do with us. Well, yeah. But yes, I mean, the, the what is it, the Palestinian uh, authority, they're, they're hardly, you know, libertarians. Yeah, they yeah, I mean they're hardly advocates of freedom. Yes. Uh so uh, with the the these uh, preference whisperer revelations, uh the uh the uh liberals have referred it to IBAC, the anti uh, the anti broad-based anti-corruption commission, which means that they the the Victorian Liberal Party they already have to uh, update their their frequent liar cards, which they they launched on on Sunday at their their campaign launch, uh, because they had here. I'll just I'll just bring it up now. They had uh, they had uh, Dan Andrews as this was this quite. I thought it was a very clever a uh, clever bit of campaign marketing. So. Uh, his, his number is uh, IBAC 05. It needs to be IBAC 06 now. I saw that uh, Jason Wood, federal Liberal MP, said that, uh, well, with this six IBAC, uh, IBAC uh, investigation, he's, he's a lifetime member of the, the Frequent Liar Club. <laughs> uh, but uh, the uh, Victorian, well, Liberal Party, well, uh, a... Matthew Guy, and uh, well, he is the earlier this year. Uh, it was revealed that uh, Dan Andrews, well, now former chief of staff uh, Mick Catlin, had tried to get a hundred thousand dollar in pay payment for his uh, private business from a party donor, uh, which could possibly breach Victoria's donation laws, which are capped at. Are one thousand dollars per year, so four thousand over an electoral cycle. So, the VEC put out quite an extraordinary statement saying that they were going to be uh, referring the uh, the 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 matter to IVAC, saying that they hadn't received satisfactory responses from anybody. So, the state director of the Liberal Party. Uh, Sam uh, McQuestion said, uh, has said that uh, the VEC should cease and desist in any pu public further commentary about this matter, either official or unofficial, for the remainder of the, the campaign, because they believed it was a very incendiary statement and what was well, it's still left unambiguous, like uh, what is a not a satisfactory response. I mean, they... Uh, and. Uh, she refused to, to name it. Uh, the VEC's communications game director uh, on 3AW uh, this morning just said, you know, just said, oh, well, that's just what the statement says and didn't go into it. I mean, but the the caps on donations are ridiculous anyway. I know. The, the problem isn't people donating to political parties. The problem is politicians having power to sell. If a if um, Parliament didn't have the powers it had, it probably wouldn't incentivize these large donations anyway. 
That's where the corruption really comes from. The uh, the the teal candidates they took the the VEC to to VCAT the civil and administrative tribunal uh, for refusing to register their how to vote cards because they didn't want to allocate preferences so they just put a one next to their name and said number the 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 others according to your preference the VEC said because they showed blank. Uh, blank uh, boxes that it would cause more informal votes, even though at the Australian uh, Australian federal election, well, the Teals won Goldstein and Kuyong, so clearly they got enough formal votes despite them having the same how-to-vote cards, though they're not required to be registered federally. Victoria has all of these quite onerous uh, election laws, the uh, electoral commissioner, actually, uh, Warwick Gately, has uh, taken stress leave. Like in the final week of the the campaign, he's on he's on leave. It's like taking stress leave in the grand final after you've played <laughs> all played all season. Yeah, it'd be like me taking stress leave in Christmas week. Hmm. And also a on 3w sue sue lang uh from the vec said that oh because there's so many early votes uh, we might not be able to count them all on election night um but like you already knew that there was probably going to be more early votes so couldn't you have planned for this like there's more and more Can people you not count them before, before election night I, wait um apparently not no mm. um before like yeah, back pre, like in the the twenty ten state election, they didn't count the early votes until after election night. So I actually encourage people to vote on election day, so your vote is count quicker. And obviously, if you if you want to uh, decide where your preferences go in the upper house, vote below the line as well. Like obviously, under. Uh, Victorian electoral law. I can't tell people how to to, to vote, uh, but I certainly will get, will uh, provide information uh, so that people know their 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 voting options. They can vote above the line or below the line, and obviously in the the lower house, you have to number every every box. Isn't that ironic? In a democratic election, you aren't allowed to tell people how to vote. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to authorize, uh, you know, politically authorize uh, a, you know, what what I say because uh, Andrew Bogut, uh, the Australian basketball legend and Dan critic, he got a warning letter from the VEC because he linked to a what is it, vote them out website against the 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 minor parties that passed Dan's uh, Dan's uh, pandemic laws like obviously i do not like uh dan andrews and hope he's not premier after november uh, 26 but i'm not telling anyone how to to, to vote on their ballot paper mm. so yes that's the uh, that's the inv- environment how we have to to operate with all of these various electoral operate uh, electoral regulations we're going to move on to the uh current uh g20 summits uh well it's summit season so first there was 
the, the, the there was the East Asia Summit, ASEAN Summit uh, in Cambodia, and uh, well, uh, joining the 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 global leaders has been uh, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum with uh, one of his uh, global leaders, uh, your Prime Minister uh, Jacinta Ardern. Uh, he was also at the oh the the B20. So there's a spin-off from the G20, the B20, where the globalist business leaders uh, gather. Uh, so Klaus Schwab uh, opened that, and there was uh, uh, the Australian business representatives. Uh, so there was uh, Jennifer Westacott uh, from Business Council of Australia and Innes Wilcox from Australian industry group uh, i don't know how what is it sort of like how do you get an invite to this like globalist business summit so that's just concluded the the g20 and uh anthony albanese had a 32 minute sit down with uh, chinese president uh xi jinping uh so it was the first he's not going to tell us what happened in there uh no he doesn't want to get a public dressing down like uh xi gave uh, justin uh trudeau uh, so Anthony Albanese just said, oh, we'll just have further dialogue because it was a, a, a much, it was, we talked about that it was a much uh, significant meeting because it's the first meeting between the Australian and Chinese leaders in, in six years. And uh, Jacinta is going to be meeting with uh, Xi uh, at APEC, so APEC in Thailand. So they've all they're, they're all at the same time so it's all of all well, of these good to keep her out of the country i guess um though of course north korea um this has just come out in the last uh, couple of hours north korea's uh, managed to get a bit of attention um by firing another uh, intercontinental missile from it uh during the g20 oh, yeah. Uh, I, saw I should have read this better. <laughs> but um, so now uh, all the Western allies are meeting to discuss North Korea again. I saw that Jacinta uh, condemned it. I mean, it's pretty easy to stand up to Kim Jong-un, but uh, not easy for her to stand up to, to Xi. I noticed that uh, in Dan Andrews' own seat of Mulgrave, he put uh, Kim Jong-un uh, quite low on his how to vote card preferences because uh, Kim Jong-un impersonator... Uh, Howard X Lee is running against uh, Dan. Uh, his his pitches, you know, have the have the have the have the real thing, have the real dictator. I did see a video about that um, yesterday. Yes, uh, so, so so Big Kim is is quite busy campaigning in Mulgrave and also firing uh, uh, inter interballistic missiles. Uh, well, at least it didn't hit Poland like that. Ukrainian missile did. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit unfortunate. Mm. Yes, the what is that? This uh, it was called. It was called a Russian-made missile, but yes, came it came from Ukraine. But um, we also we also had uh, at the the G twenty. Uh, French President Emmanuel Macron still griping over uh, former Prime Minister Scott Morrison cancelling the submarine contract uh, with uh, France in favour of the AUKUS nuclear submarines. So, yeah, he's he's still banging on about it, Emmanuel Macron, even though you know Scott Morrison's nowhere to 
uh, be seen. His argument was that, uh, oh, because they weren't going to be nuclear subs, uh, that means that it wasn't going to inflame uh, China like the AUKUS subs will. So basically, I mean, Macron is already tried to appease Putin and now, you know, he's doing the same thing, trying to appease Xi uh, as well. <laughs> Well, maybe he saw an opportunity with the change of government. So we've already reached the hour uh, here. Um, we should have a bit of uh, New Zealand uh, news uh, just to, to finish the finish the show. Uh, so apparently, uh, New Zealand uh, schools uh, there's a they they they're becoming a massive problem. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they've, they've generally always been pretty crap in the public sector. Um, but um, truancy is becoming a massive issue. In oh, which is also known as wagging. That's the Australian, yeah. uh, Australian terminology. Um, so now it's actually gotten so bad that just 40% of school students are actually attending school regularly in New Zealand. So that means that um, they're taking... Uh, less than one half day off a week, um, which is incredible. Uh, National Party leader Christopher Luxon's created a bit of controversy um, as he was talking about the issue on the AM show with Ryan Bridge a couple of days ago. Um, he said that uh, the standards set by school leadership are a mixed bag around the country, which is uh, it's a pretty soft sort of thing to say, I would think. But um, this is... Um, resulted in outrage from school uh, school principals associations who yeah. Are, adamant yeah, they're adamant that it's not the principal's fault and there's all sorts of other challenges involved and how dare he criticize educators um but david seymour of the act party was uh, asked about this this morning on the am show and this was brilliant um and he's been asked what he thinks of Luxon's comments. And he says, well, as the member, uh, the MP for Epsom, um, he sees just about every school principal in his electorate each year. Um, he says, while many of them are excellent, some of them are actually absolutely hopeless. And he even goes as far as citing the example of uh, the head of a Waitakere president, uh, Waitakere Principals Association's comments on social media um, and explicitly identifying him as an example of a useless uh, school principal. So, I mean, I think that's quite wonderful, actually. Um, what do you think of Luxon's comments? Um, well, I'm going to double down on his comments and explicitly target some of the principals. Um, Act also talked about their um, $250 million Teaching Excellent Reward Fund. Um, this will be okay. allocated to schools but based on the numbers you just said. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I know David well enough to think that maybe he's actually deliberately trolling here uh, because, yes, the $250 million fund uh, for paying good teachers more the acronym is TERF, so I, I, th I think um, they've done quite well with this one. <laughs> yes, because TERF also stands for Trans-Exclusionally Radical Feminists, so uh, it's certainly good to TERF out bad principles, and if you can, well, uh, any, you know, type of uh, f feminism is, is, is bad, even... <laughs> 
turf. So yes. Uh, it's but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a good it's a good policy in the sense that it allocates money to each school based on the number of teachers they have to pay good teachers more. Um, because just about every organisation, whether it be charities or businesses or public sector, um, have goals as an organisation. And so surely it's school, uh, school principals are capable of identifying uh, teachers which more closely align with the goals of their organisation and rewarding them more. I don't see why this is controversial in education where it's done just about everywhere else. Uh, who is interviewing him? This uh, Maori newsreader with the face tattoo. Who your like your foreign minister has one as well. Where we're told that this is you know part of their their culture. Did they have tattoos before British settlement? Oh, they definitely did. Yes. Um, in fact, um, after colonisation, the sale of uh, preserved heads with these tattoos. Um, was quite um, it was quite popular anyway, and so of course there are a number that were appearing in European museums for many years. Um, whereas in the nineties, then the government in New Zealand started lobbying for these to be returned as cultural taonga. Um, but even prior to colonisation, um, it was common for warring tribes to behead um, their opponents' prisoners and uh, keep the heads as a prize. Um, as a as a result of these tattoos, I'm not familiar with the newsreader though. Oh, okay, but yes, uh, clearly there's what is it? Uh, it's they're... it's growing in popularity. Yes. All right. We unless uh, anyone in the audience has a question or super chat, we will wrap up. Uh, the show. Uh, so it is, well, it's quite a, a busy eight days coming up. So tomorrow, uh, the Unshackled will be live streaming at uh, the, the the Worldwide Freedom Rally number 10, which in Melbourne, which its local name is Dan Andrews Must Go, Victorian Stand Against Stands United Against Dan Andrews and the Victorian Labor Government. So it'll start uh, at uh, Parliament House at 12 p.m. Melbourne time, and the 19th of November is also International Men's Day. So, obviously, International Women's Day is a huge deal. At uh, I think it's what is it, beginning of March. Uh, uh, it was first observed in Soviet Russia after the the Russian Revolution. International Women's Day, but uh, International Men's Day is uh, is uh, tomorrow. I mean, it's good that uh, they're, they're, they're still called, you know, there's still a men's day and a women's day as well as <laughs> Father's Day. And uh, obviously we have the state election on Saturday, November 26th. So the Unshackled's live stream will start at 6 p.m. Melbourne time on the Unshackled's YouTube channel and Odyssey. And uh, although Stephen won't be able to, to join us, uh, Nick Patterson uh, will be joining us. Here's uh, a trial. A, he stands accused of assaulting Victoria police officers when they uh, attacked an anti-lockdown uh, protester back in May 2021. That case, that trial has been adjourned until next year. Sort of suspicious that they didn't want the trial during the state election campaign. So 
Uh, Nick uh, will be on the on the panel. And uh, also next Friday, it'll be our penultimate uh, second last program will also be Black Friday, uh, which is the, the the crazy sales day, the day after Thanksgiving in the, the United States, because there's all these worldwide shopping, uh, the, the, uh, worldwide online shopping platforms like Amazon, eBay, they all have their cyber Black Friday madness. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of criticism over the behaviour of uh, people shopping on that day, and I can see why, but let's uh, compare it to, I don't know, a communist country in which people uh, behave very well when they go to the shops, but they're queuing for several hours in the hopes that they might get some stale bread or... Yes, yes. Well, like, still Boxing Day sales are the biggest thing here, like you're shopping for like consumer goods that well you 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 want but don't necessarily need yeah yeah so i mean sure they sure they could behave themselves a bit better when they go shopping but fuck let's celebrate the fact that there's something actually worth <laughs> fighting for at our, at our stores which is not the case in many other countries well, like it shows just how much of a abundance we are, and well, we just hope that's not under threat with the uh, the climate uh, policies. Obviously, Europe, uh, their energy supply will be challenged this winter. Inflation has made food and meat more expensive, which is why they're trying to sell people eating bugs. Uh, so, yes, I mean, like. It's challenging times here with food becoming more uh, expensive, and like we we hope that we haven't hit the hit the peak where you know we can buy all of this. You know where we're we're so wealthy that we could buy all this extra stuff that we don't necessarily need, and you know we could all afford food. Yeah, well, as I made the case in my BFD column uh, this week. Um, it being identified that uh, the lock, the impact on uh, carbon emissions as a result of lockdowns it actually dropped it by about the amount that needs it needs to drop every year until 2050 um, for us to achieve net zero global emissions. Um, so when you consider that just two months of the um, steps taken regarding lockdowns in New Zealand resulted to a uh, drop of 10% in economic growth in the first quarter. Um, you know, we've got the roadmap to how we can reduce emissions, but is it something we really want to do? Well, we'll see. We'll soon find out how high the, the cost is. I mean, the, the globalists, uh, they, they were still obviously jet set around the world to their, their various summits i mean they just had the the coca-cola a cop 27 i don't know if there was any sponsors of the of summit season maybe uh ftx was going to be a sponsor of of one of them but obviously that's gone uh bus now with uh, all the people's money going going missing uh and we don't know where sam bankman freud is 
All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching two shows to go. I'll be back on Monday uh, for Teams News Explosion, 8.30 p.m. Melbourne time on the Wilmsfront channels. And, of course, live tomorrow at uh, the Worldwide Freedom Rally 10, uh, Dan Andrews Must Go Rally. Uh, so I'll see you all then. Good night. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Trad Tasman Talk. To keep up with the latest real news and analysis from the Tasman nations, visit theunshackles.net and rightminds.nz.